guys could play, they could improvise, they were in constant and curious cutthroat competition with each other to take the music someplace new, someplace unknown, and never ever the same place twice. Fast forward 12 hours later to the local mom and pop record stores where I requested anything and everything by Deep Purple and was promptly handed a fireball album. My life, my life had officially changed forever. With almost no exceptions, every hard rock band in the last 40 years, including mine, traces its lineage back directly to Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, and Deep Purple. Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alf Metallica. Today we are not talking about a song plucked from an alphabetical order, rather we are talking about an influence on Metallica, a band that are deeply loved by Metallica. Talking about Deep Purple, I mean there's a picture of Deep Purple that I believe is still on Lars's bed rest. Uh, his nightstand there, and I think his head is glued on the front of Ian Pace. This is the first band Lars ever, has ever seen. This is, I mean, you know, what, what can we say about fucking Deep Purple? A ginormous rock band from Hartford, which I literally just learned. I've got the Wikipedia in front of me. I, I really enjoy this band, but I'm not as au fait with the intricacies, which is where my guest comes in today for today's episode. You know, Deep, Deep Purple and Metallica is what I'm going to title it. There isn't a huge lineage, you know, history between these bands, but there's lots of cool incidents that, you know, we're going to ramble upon. So my guest today does a podcast on Deep Purple called the Deep Purple Podcast. Nate, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me. Really good to have you on, man, especially because, you know, you're part of this sacred brotherhood the you know the, the the knights of the band podcasts you know you've kind of put your sword in the ground here with deep purple i myself metallica obviously but you know i know you're a fan of metallica as i'm a fan of deep purple like wh where does that begin for you well uh, the first time i ever remember hearing metallica was visiting my cousin robbie and um he lived uh quite a ways away and we were visiting him mm. for the summer and i only got to see him maybe once every couple of years and he brought out this cassette of master and puppets and uh, master of puppets and i think it had just come out right. um so it was fairly new it might have been this must have been like 1987 yeah. maybe 1988 fresh yeah it was still fresh it was the it was the latest album at yeah. the time anyway and i i remember listening to it and just never having heard anything like it i, I had gotten a little bit into Ozzy uh, before that, but I never really dove in anything that heavy. So mm. when I heard that, I was I, I was pretty much blown away. God, that's crazy! You listen to it effectively at the time. You know, you're anticipating and justice going from there. The eye of the storm of that fresh era. Like, uh, did you follow the band ardently beyond that, or? Well, I you know I had this cassette for a really long time, and you know I think I must he must have like just dubbed a copy for me or whatever, right. and I took it home with me, and um, all I knew was it was just called Master of Puppets. I didn't know any of the names of the song. I didn't know what the album cover looked like. I don't even know if he had the original. Um, so I listened to that for a really long time, and and once I got into um, I would have been going into maybe like seventh grade, which would have been called middle school at the mm -hmm. time. And, you know, I, I had just started to grow my hair long and I got the jean jacket and I had the Metallica back patch on the jean jacket. And um, and it was my first kind of taste of uh, being challenged as part of that community, because I remember one of my first days of school, this girl kind of cornering me and, and, and saying, you know, 
what, what you're no way you're a Metallica fan. Your hair is too short. What uh, you know? What's your favorite song? And you can't say one because at that point, uh, yeah, yeah. And Justice for All had come out, and that and that had you know they made a video, so mm-hmm. a lot of people viewed that as them selling out or whatever. And I remember just like kind of panicking, and I was like, oh god, I don't know the names of any of these songs. But I like you, there was this kind of pressure to have to prove yourself. Wow. So you know, I, I kind of learned. That was kind of my first taste of the kind of dark side at the time of what what it meant to be like a quote metalhead or whatever yeah it can be very sectarian very very much yeah and then on to black album like you know you were just witnessing this go by which i need to repeat because it just i've studied it for so long it must have been great to be there like again load reload black album that sort of stuff for you is it still of interest well i yeah i had by the time black album came out i think i was uh, maybe in like 10th grade or something. And um, I remember getting that and listening to it a lot. And th- then there was also kind of a lot of pressure, uh, you know, like with probably with every subsequent release, like, well, this isn't real Metallica, you know, it's, it's too polished. It's Bob rock. It's all that stuff. Um, but I really, I listened to that album a ton and I really got into it and really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, but I, I think I just kind of fell into that whole, I think by that point I was starting to branch out and get a little bit more into things like deep purple at mm-hmm. that time. Um, and there was just a lot of pressure, you know, like the, the people in that clique were kind of, uh, very fickle about that album as being a tipping point or changing them. And I, you know, my Megadeth had kind of wrote in their, you know, slipstream with countdown to extinction at the same time and you'd hear both of those albums being played on the radio which at the time was just mind-blowing to hear metallica and megadeth on the on the regular radio that regular people listen to Mm -hmm. um and you know like i I kind of fell out of favor and i and i didn't i I just kind of like grew apart from the band a little bit at that point but i've always had a very very strong fondness for for everything that got me to that point and now I appreciate you would have gone in far more depth on your on your show, the Deep Purple podcast. But you and Deep Purple, like, how how did that begin then? So you got into them, I guess, fairly late. They had quite a back catalogue as you you know dove in. Sure, yeah. When when I, when I would have gotten into them, they would have been you know probably been like nineteen ninety one or kind of, kind of wil- wilderness years for the band. Is that fair to say? <sighs> Maybe um, it's a mm. it's a Was little bit Steve, hazy, but... Steve Morse era. It was before Steve Morris. Steve Morris was um, came in. I think his first album was ninety six or ninety seven. Uh, perpendicular, perpendicular. Yeah. Um, so I came in like kind of at the tail end of Richie still being in the band, but not really quite understanding the history yet. And I, I actually got into them because um, I, I kind of went to like a, a hippie church uh, with my parents, and um, they gave us a copy of Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, when I was younger and I listened to that a lot and started to get really into it. And then I just kind of remember, you know, before the days of the internet, you just hear rumors and like, Oh, the guy who does Jesus and Jesus Christ superstar was in a band deep purple. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Like th- that's crazy. He had a band. So I, I've got to hear this. Cause I really like Jesus Christ superstar. And from then it, that was kind of my entry point into the band. And yeah, they've got a giant back catalog. Like I, I don't want to profess to knowing it though. I'm fascinated by the band. You know, I've always been somewhat into them. I remember when I was 14 on holiday in Canada, I told this story recently on the Sabbath bloody podcast uh, episode that we did with Roy looking at Sabracadabra, but I got three CDs, Van Halen's 5150, Black Sabbath, Sabbath bloody podcast, uh, Sabbath bloody Sabbath, I always say the podcast <laughs> on the end. And um, of course, Machine Head by Deep Purple. And that's thought- a, that's, that's a, that's a, 
that's a quite a quite a trio right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some hard rock masterpieces, and Absolutely. I kind of went down the more Van Halen-y road. Just I got more. I didn't really listen to that much more of um, Deep Purple beyond that. But that record is incredible. The Highway Star solo absolutely you know blew my mind in just its it, it it's storytelling and it's shape playing and just how it builds there is just something so edifyingly classical but not pretentious in any way it's using that classical knowledge to really elicit an exciting response it, it and it's it's usually richie was a one take kind of wow. off the cuff guy and that's one of the only solos he had actually written out and oh, scripted okay. out okay yeah because like it, speed king for example is just mayhem Yes. <laughs> Great song. Though. A lot of it is. And, and he is, he's just so, it, it's funny because he gets so much credit yet. I just don't think he gets enough for mm. what he did for, for hard rock and heavy metal. That's so true. That's so true. And, you know, in terms of my deep purple story, then it kind of stops there. I remember actually, I got this very weird memory. 2005, I was reading a guitar magazine and they used to do reviews at the back and they were reviewing Rapture of the Deep. Which mm. I was like, oh, Deep Purple is still making music. I was just a bit naive. I was just a kid. I just thought they were an old 70s band or whatever. And the cover stuck out to me a lot, which I still think is very cool. You know, the reflection in the pool. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really good... Um, yeah, it's a cool cover. It's, like, it's, it's like a little cartoon from the New Yorker or something. There's something quite... <laughs> you know what I mean? There's something quite witty about it. It's basically a man whose frame in the real world is, is rippling. And then in the water, he's straight. It's really nice. It's It's... Yeah, and it's very atypical of their normal album covers it, it, yeah. if you looked at it it almost i don't even know what it looks like but it doesn't look like a typical deep purple album cover no it no no it definitely doesn't and it's stuff like infinite as well the cover to that a recent album i really like as well the ice trawler so you know getting into the band slowly being aware of them your podcast has came in handy over the last year or so and i've really accelerated in my listing and also i think i mentioned this guy to you before pete pardo sea of tranquility yes. so mm-hmm. this guy is my all-time favorite music youtube critic he is uber knowledgeable i worship this dude he knows so much about 70s rock and his favorite band of deep purple i only learned that recently i was like what if it's pete's favorite band like <laughs> you know i've got to listen to everything yeah he's he's great and i only just kind of stumbled upon his stuff looking into deep purple stuff you need to get him on the show he goes on shitty little podcasts no offense pete but he goes on podcasts where i'm like they've got no <laughs> listeners i'm like pete you're a genius what are you doing go on the fuck your favorite band's got a podcast mate yeah well yeah now no, no. <laughs> <laughs> after and the whole reason we we started the part podcast be- was because i i had stumbled upon a couple of these these yeah. band podcasts and it really intrigued me and i said deep purple's always been something that i, I always I thought about doing this for years and years, even to the point where originally I was like, it would be cool to have a radio show to just go into the history of the band and just because how many branches there are yes. from the Deep Purple Tree and how far it reaches. And then, you know, that kind of evolved. Into, and I started hearing these podcasts and I thought, wow, I really want to, I want to listen to a Deep Purple podcast. And I looked and looked and looked again and was shocked that there weren't any. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I said, well, I guess I'd better make one and i called up my buddy who was a kind of got me into deep purple and just said hey if nothing else let's just talk about deep purple once a week and, and put it out there and see if anyone's interested yeah like you say this is the golden era for coming up with your own musical podcast because there are so many obvious bands that need podcasts it's like the frontier out here it's like deadwood you can just expand like you just you <laughs> go into all these different directions and yeah your podcast is out there uh with john you know i've said many times on the show we put the link down below go listen to it and what i like as well just before we get on to 
Metallica. What I like about the podcast is you really do go in depth, and that's what I appreciate. Like, these are long album reviews, long studies. The concerto episode, the concerto for group and orchestra, mm. loved that one. Really informative. Oh, thank you. Great work. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's we're still trying to find our rhythm. We're only about the Fireball episode just released this morning, and yep. we are still trying to figure out. I think ten, ten of, episodes in, so crazy. Yeah, we're we're working out the audio, the audio kinks, and trying mm-hmm. to refine that, and then just kind of trying trying to find our rhythm. But it's it's just a lot of fun, and you know, I think if you go back and listen to the first episodes of any of your favorite podcasts, you see the same, a lot of the same things. So we're still in that phase of figuring out how to do it. You know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, when we came up with this idea there, Metallica and Deep Purple, were there any things that you, because we've done a little bit of research, we watched a few things, was there anything that, that you remember? Did you think, oh yeah, this is a good topic, they've got a lot of links, or? You know, I didn't, at, at first, didn't really realize the links um, until a few years ago when, I think it was 2016, when Deep Purple got admitted into the yeah. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I listened, or I watched, I should say, like video of, of Lars giving that introduction to them. And I, and, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, you know, I, I never really thought about it. And there's also, I don't know if you've seen one of uh, Ian Pace and Roger Glover giving Metallica an award, the Polar Awards, oh, I believe it's called. Oh, cool. Yeah, I saw that in the suggestion. Yeah, I haven't watched that. I didn't realize that was Deep Purple. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's, so that one's really cool. It's kind of them, and that was more recent. I think that was last summer. So mm. I'd seen those two, and and that's that's a really fun one to watch because you just see when when Lars is introducing them, you see him just kind of like you know he's he's up on stage, he's the cool rock guy introducing them, and when you see two of his, the guys from one of his favorite bands, Roger Glover and Ian Pace, mm. Ian Pace, you know, one of his heroes on the drums. Yeah talking about him and about Metallica you see just this the beaming on his face and how happy he must be to hear his idols talking so positively about him it's 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 a really nice moment and Deep Purple obviously were Lars's first ever concert which he's mentioned many times and I think we talked about that I'm a little off my kilter here because I we we release these episodes like a week after we record them I I think we talked about it on the uh (laughs) fireball episode maybe the in rock episode but yeah it was i believe the tour promoting in rock but fireball had kind of just come out because they did this really long crazy tour where they were in the process of recording fireball um mm. and it was 1970 oh, so they yeah. must have re- so fireball was out and yeah he talks about lars was there and had never seen anything like it and goes out the next morning and buys the fireball album and um you know i'm sure that had to had a huge and profound yeah. impact on Defining. his music mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i mean it was march 1st 1972 at the kb hallen uh copenhagen denmark and this is mentioned in so much metallica literature but i'm just going to quote from um joel mckiver's book here saying there were always musicians around the house from the day he was born recalls lars father torben an early turning point came when lars was 10 in 1970 it says 1973 here it's 72 mckiver when a family <laughs> friend visited quote we had a good friend called ray moore a south african player who was playing in copenhagen ray took lars to see his first concert says torben the nine-year-old was so smitten by the show that he went into the city the next day and bought the new album by the group he had just seen the record was called fireball and the band that had so impressed him was deep purple and the set's actually online and it's kind of um you know as someone whose knowledge is mostly grounded in um machine head as i said it's kind of that kind of era set they um covered lucille the little richard cover in the encore 
Yeah, that, that used to be their typical encore, right. um, actually, uh, was, was Lucille, which is odd to think about. Um, <laughs> but they they um, they were they had done a song for Fireball to try to re- replace Lucille. It didn't end up getting released on the album, but they were looking for like a new kind of encore uh, style song and they ended up replacing it i believe with strange kind of woman in, in the set but yeah it's funny that the you know it's it's funny to think of deep purple kind of almost pre-smoke on the water coming up with an encore that's a cover <laughs> and there were there were nine songs played that night yeah. which isn't unusual there were six songs in the main set ending with space trucking but deep purple for those that might not be aware in terms of their live show they're one of these bands where improvisationally the banks burst and three minute songs can easily become 20 minutes like space trucking oh yeah yeah i mean some of their live albums have six songs on them yeah you know and they're the full albums like one and side space one song tru- on one side of vinyl though yeah, yes. <laughs> Space trucking is often, you know, nineteen twenty minutes yeah. long easily on some of their live shows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fearless, really, and brilliant to listen to. And the the, the Richie playing, like you say, but also John Lord features heavily in those sections. Just this kind of ethereal otherworldliness. It's still very together, and you know, it does, like. I've been trying to get into the Grateful Dead recently and I just can't do it. I just, I find them a little too <laughs> lackadaisical. Whereas the deep it's purple, for everybody. no, the deep purple stuff can hold my attention more. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm I, I like the Grateful Dead. I appreciate them, but they're not something I'm going to necessarily sit down and put on. But yeah, yeah deep, deep purple is, uh, you know, they, they can, I think they have a lot more going on dynamically than a lot of, other even of their contemporaries and certainly of like more modern metal which is you know can be just kind of a wall of sound at you constantly and deep purple has a lot of these really subtle little very quiet and seeing some of their live performances like later on when they do the song mistreated or something you can hear a pin drop you can hear people coughing in the audience at one point and then all of a sudden just the whole band comes back in and it's it's so loud it knocks you over it's really intricate stuff like uh uh, with when a blind man cries which i see is included on a lot of machine head re-releases was it like a b-side around that time was it yeah it was a b-side to um what was the song uh that they uh, never before they okay. released the song never before which was going to be their big single um they hadn't you know and it completely flopped they thought that this was going to be the song and if you listen to it it's a very pop sounding song um, and the record label kind of fought with, fought with them and, and ended up pushing out Smoke on the Water, which obviously we know became the, the really big hit. Uh, but, but When a Blind Man Cries was, was the B-side to that, and uh, Richie did not like the song at all, and mm. they never played it live until Richie left the band in 93 when Joe Satriani kind of flew in, to, 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 in an emergency to rescue the band on their tour. He liked the song, I guess, and they started playing it live, and it's been a you know mainstay in their live shows ever since. Yeah, majorly popular song outside of the band, connects with a lot of people, been covered a lot, not just by Metallica. Apparently, Richie Sambora of Bon Jovi is a guest musician on a cover of it in 99. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, uh, and obviously this is on Metallica's Remachined, uh, Metallica on Remachined, a tribute to Deep Purple's Machine Heads. This is a full album cover. Love it when these happen. And yeah. it's a sh- Are you familiar with this cover record at all? I am. I haven't heard the whole thing. I've heard bits and pieces of it, and mm. it's it's something we want to cover on the show. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, it, it, it's really good, and, you know... I mean, just in terms of the people on it, like Black Label, Flaming Lips, Iron Maiden, Steve Vai... 
it's a it's a it's a amazing lineup and uh then they even have oddly glenn hughes glenn doing hughes. Yep. space trucking with chad smith. Chance smith. It's very strange to have a member of the band covering that's the song but not one of the songs that was from when he was in the band yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's, yeah it's, that's it's it's odd but mm-hmm. metallica does you know when i first heard like you know, metallica is going to do when a blind man cries nothing against metallica nothing against james hetfield but i was like james hetfield singing ian gillen that's right. seems like a stretch but wow he does a great job mm, mm, mm. Uh, i first came in contact with this song not through this cover record but through the um the bridge school benefits where it got played and uh, a bit more solemn than this recorded version but yeah you're right his singing is terrific i think you know it's it's a fateful rendition as well that does remachine it to a certain extent like overall how would you weigh up the cover is this a worthy cover I think it's a great cover because I what I like about it is it starts off as a very it's it's about a, I want to say without looking at it it's like a maybe a minute longer than the it's a short by yeah. Deep Purple song standards. That's true. Um so it's about a minute longer so it starts off just kind of being very faithful though more modern sounding in its production and then I like how when it's almost like when Kirk starts the guitar solo, he's being very faithful to the original guitar solo. Then he just mm-hmm. kind of transforms it into a very Hammett sounding solo. And then when the band kind of kicks back in, it's like, oh, this is a Metallica song now. Yeah. <laughs> they, they they change the style from being faithful to being in their own, making it their own. And I thought that that was really clever how they did that, how, how intentional it was. I don't know, but it's I think they do a really great job with it. And you mentioned the faithfulness of Kirk there. And Kirk is comparable to Richie. I think especially in those high up the fretboard open string kind of ideas where he just kind of spazzes out up there and it just it, it can sound awesome in Kirk's case it can be a little garbled. I mean Richie <laughs> obviously plays Kirk under the table, but I mean they they do, you can see a bit of influence in Kirk I think. Yeah, I mean I would I wouldn't say he plays him under the table. He's no. he's they're different styles. Um you know I mean, influenced, but not like stylistically identical. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think Kirk is a little bit, you know, more effects heavy, um, obviously with his, you know, I don't know if he still does the double whammy pedal or if he just made a more intense whammy pedal. Mm-hmm. I, I know, or whammy bar rather, or um, wah pedal, I'm sorry. Wah pedal. Yeah, yeah. The, the wah is still there, fear not. I remember back years ago, it was that he was, he he had two wah pedals running through each other. Mm-hmm. And connected by yeah. some sort of something and he would play both of them at the same time because he just wasn't getting enough wah from one um but yeah i i think he relies a little bit more on the more 80s metal sort of effects richie is a little bit more of like just a kind of traditional straight distortion kind of guy mm-hmm. but um but yeah you know hammett as a you know disciple of of uh of satriani is a great a great player and just like richie and just going back quickly to the cover album, Chicken Foot also feature. Mm-hmm. Chicken Foot with Chad Smith again, Michael Anthony, Sammy Hagar, Joe Sat. I just want to mention that because Sammy Hagar's latest album, I don't know if you've listened to that or have any interest in Sammy Hagar. Um, I haven't listened to it, no. No, it's quite good. The Space Between. Uh, I just want to mention it because it, it's way better than it has any right to be. This is basically his concept album about like capitalism being evil and stuff. But it's just kind of a hard rocking, like, Sammy can still sing. And I'm excited to listen to him tackle Highway Star, actually. I bet that'll be fucking awesome. But yeah, I mean, you know, the band do get played a lot. And I mean, Ronnie Rising Medley, obviously not by Deep Purple, by Rainbow. But fair to mention because it's still Richie, right? 
Yeah, we, we cover, um, you know, the whole, what we haven't really gotten too much into in our podcast is really branching out on the family tree. And we, when I think of Deep Purple, I don't think of just the band Deep Purple. I think of all of the branches and you can, you can Google online. It's, I think it's called Deep Purple Family Tree. And there's, you can download this PDF that's just huge that shows all the connections they have between Deep Purple and Judas Priest and Black Sabbath and cool. uh, all of these bands that they, they, they kind of Oh my of God, I've got together. it up right now. Fucking hell. It's, it's, it's pretty intense, right? <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Impenetrable. Bloody. And Tigers are, el- okay, Elf. Yeah, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, that is so cool. Sure. Yeah. Elf, Rainbow, Thin Lizzy. I mean, all of mm-hmm. these bands that are really in, intertwined. Um, it's just incredible. And so, you know, we, I kind of think of Deep Purple as that, as being this big, giant family. And, and you know, they're always playing on each other's records and recording together and doing shows together. And they, they created so much music beyond just what uh, is is on a, a traditional Deep Purple album, say. And Rainbow, to me, and Dio it was, will be part of that family and it will always be you know representative of what deep purple is Mm, just looking at the family tree one of the bands that stick out right near the bottom is dixie dregs who i'm quite familiar with that steve morse was in and jordan rudess was in i don't think they're in at the same time he was maybe a little later but um there what's that out are you familiar with them because the album them falling out the plane that i know probably most yeah, was it Free Fall or Free so. Fallen or something? They yeah. are an absolutely wild <laughs> instrumental band. They, I love them. Yeah, Rod Morgenstein plays drums for them, who um, was the drummer for a winger uh, oh. of all of all things, which is really strange because uh, you don't think of winger as being this like huge, like intricate no. prog band or anything. No, definitely but, not. Actually, no. <laughs> but um, yeah, they they all kind of play a lot of stuff. But I actually saw Rod Morgenstein do a drum clinic, and must have been 1990, with a buddy of mine. And um, at the time, all I knew about him was Winger, and he was just sensational. And I got his autograph; I still have it somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. The Dixie Dregs are really incredible. More like more like j- jazz. I want to almost say jazz fusion, but yeah, not quite. Like deep uh, fried as well. Like yeah, it's mm. like kind of like southern rock jazz sort of yeah like yeah. heavier a little bit it's very hard to classify it is but it's it's good they're really really they good. are they are really good and you know steve morse would go on to obviously be the main player since 96 as you mentioned and i did watch a great documentary about deep purple um on our sort of on-demand services on sky over here and it's about the infinity album and one of the mm-hmm. features on it was Steve Morse's picking technique was causing him a lot mm. of acute pain. I don't know if you're familiar with this. And he would, he feared whether he'd be able to play in a few years. Oh, wow. I, I actually hadn't hadn't um, seen that. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, that goes, goes to say that he's just got such an unorthodox phrasing style. But people in purple love him, right? He's fitting well. Yeah, and I, th- I think that as much as we all love Richie, clearly was not it was not a good thing that he, when he was in the band and uh towards the end you know something mm-hmm. had to change and you could see just if you take a uh, a live stage photo of them playing with richie blackmore and then a, a photo of them a month later playing with joe satriani on stage i mean you could just see the looks on their faces <laughs> right right the right. smiles like the relief that just like you know it's it, it just was it's it was a, kind of a yeah it was a toxic situation that they were in something had to change and um you know i think it was good for richie it was good for the band and and you know obviously they've gone on to do many great things over the last 20 years yeah i mean when the rock and roll hall of fame speaking about the animosity there because i was querying why richie didn't attend and apparently he wanted to attend but the manager said no 
I mean, I, I've, I've seen so many stories sure. about it that Richie did. He didn't want to. The band saying they invited him, that they never heard back, or they tried to contact him. It's, it's hard to say. Richie's kind of his own his own guy, you know, he, he, he definitely, um, you know, he's not one of those guys you ever see, uh, in big groups like that or, or, go, or taking part in ceremony like that. He just kind of wants to do his own thing, play yeah. a lute and wear a felt hat and <laughs> just kind of, you know, do his, do his Renaissance thing he's got going on now and, and Orange reforming rainbow too. Yeah. He's still out there playing. Like I, I, I searched man on the silver mountain the other day and it, like a week ago he was playing it in Europe somewhere. Yeah, yeah, he's he was he, uh, he's been with uh, Blackmore's Night and Rainbow, kind of playing all of these shows all over Europe, and you know he's still getting down on his knees and doing the solos. It's like, man, I I have a hard hard time getting down on my knees yeah. doing, a, doing anything. Like, when I get down on my knees to you know like you know plug something in or something, I, I struggle to get back up at my age, and and he's got thirty years on me, so <laughs> good for him. Yeah, and he does have that Renaissance side, as you say, as well. And if you want to go down that rabbit hole with him musically, is crazy the uh, oratorios and such that he does out there. But the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, so this was April 8th, 2016, so just over three years ago when Lars inducted them. And people inducting bands in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is like ultimate YouTube binge TV for me. I love the history <laughs> of it. I love seeing people geek the fuck out. Uh, I just recently watched Alex Lifeson and Geddy Lee induct Rush. And oh, that, yeah. that is a brilliant one. And there's a bit where Alex Life is like, yo, the, la- the last minute of Starship Trooper blew my mind. And I was like, yo, what is that? I didn't know what it was. Sorted out. Amazing song. He's completely <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, go out, guys. Watch all these. Watch the Lars one as well, which we're going to get into. I mean, we'll, we'll point out little things in the speech that we like. But overall, as it is with Lars, it was always going to be. I think he gives a brilliant performance here. Great oratory. It's great. It's written really well. It's delivered yeah, it is. well. It is, yeah. He he seems very comfortable with the band and with the. Yeah. He seems more comfortable giving that speech than hearing them. You know, he preys on him a few years later, where he's just kind of like he's very happy, but seems uncomfortable. Yeah. Um. He, he's just very. He's comfortable. He's witty. Um. It's very good. He tells a story about, like that you told about the bedside table, and he he's does, got the picture of him with his face over Ian faces. <laughs> Um, he tells some great I mean, he has some great one-liners I love what he says about um, he says something to the effect of like John Lord like I've I'd never seen anyone abuse an organ like that get or so abuse physical, their organ like get that get so physical but I was only with his nine. organ yeah. You get to, yeah I've never seen anyone get so physical with his organ but I was only nine years old so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's absolutely terrific and uh, you know guys you can actually seek out the whole speech written out on um uh, on uh, on Rolling Stone as well. So yeah, he starts off by talking about seeing the band that we spoke about before, the Dark Cold Saturday Night in Denmark, the Raw Intensity, and he mentions bowels as well. Then projecting a thousand <laughs> yard deep state into the bowels of the arena. Yes, I said bowels. <laughs> and he, you know, he goes through all the members of the band as well, and the, the John Lord section in particular because he had passed away is really sweet. He's like, we love yeah. John Lord. Is how he starts. Yeah, it's great. He, he does leave some members out of the band, which I thought was yeah. odd. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't. He mentions Rod Evans, the original singer, but he doesn't mention Nick Simper, the original bass player. Um, I don't know what what the choice was for that, but uh, it, it, I don't know. I know there was some legal 
disputes with Nick sure. Simper. He kind of signed off all of his rights, but there was also a big legal issue with Rod Evans too. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't that, know what the, yeah, yeah. Maybe that, that, I mean, that just happens, doesn't it? You're sort of short for time. If you do it journey, for example, have loads of members say they weren't <laughs> interested, but you know what I mean? You got to go for it. And I remember the bassist of Pearl Jam when they were inducted, I don't know if you remember this wore a t-shirt of all the bands that weren't inducted yet. And it was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And he mentions that too. He was cutting, you know, which, which I thought was cool. Just yeah. saying like, why are we doing this in 2016? Like this mm-hmm. is deep purple. And I think part of it is the, the rock hall of fame is in America and deep purple just isn't yep. the same in America that it is throughout the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's, it's shocking. You know, when I bring, I could bring up deep purple to, you know, there's a reason I'm doing the deep purple podcast with my friend, John, he's literally the only person that would want to talk yeah. to me about deep purple that I, that I've ever met in person. Um, it's just in America. They're, 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 more obscure like people know who they are they know smoke on the water they might know you know uh, highway star a few things like that but they just kind of they're written off as kind of like a oh that's just kind of like a one of those other throwaway 70s bands they don't have the same respect in america which i always thought was a shame Mm, yeah and i thought i knew this was going to happen but i thought i wish he didn't mention smoke on the water I wish it mm. didn't like define the band, even though it's a great song. Don't get me wrong, but it's kind of like he's doing all this stuff, and then right at the end, he spends quite a lot of time on "Smoke on the Water," which you know it is their thing. That's why people are there, I guess, to a certain extent. But it is a great speech. He does go into the all the songs that he likes, which is a great element of all the induction speeches and the albums that he digs as well. He mentions an album, "The Book of Talisin." Is that like an early one? No, I heard that. Yes, that's that's their second album ah, with with okay. Nick Semper and and Rod Evans before Ian and Roger joined the band, and yeah, it was funny. Of the first three albums, I'd say that's probably my least favorite. Mm. Um, uh, it, they really they were they were under a lot of pressure. They weren't they weren't given the time they needed to really properly record, and it, and it shows on those first few albums. They're they're hastily put together, and um, there's some really great flashes on there of, of brilliance. But all in all you're not seeing the deep purple that you would expect and when in rock comes out i we talk about it on the podcast i just can't imagine what people were thinking like after that album just came out of nowhere i, I you know it, it, if that was their first album ever i i would understand but it's their fourth album and our fifth i'm sorry uh, album to come out and just like where did this come from where was this before yeah i mean as i said before pete pardo Deep Purple is very bad. That's his favorite Deep Purple record in rock that a lot of people concur, right? Yeah, I think I think you hear a lot between In Rock and Machine Head, yeah. um, kind of grappling for that first place spot. But uh, In Rock is it's, it's a true classic. It's it's not my favorite, but it's 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 I love it. I mean, I love listening to it, and it's really one of the things about doing the podcast and spending so much time on each individual album, both like listening to it, the lead up to the podcast, recording it, talking about it making show notes is I'm kind of experiencing it for the first time, almost like what the chronology of it, of, mm-hmm. of listening to it and, and imagining what it would have been like to have heard this in the context of the time and what had previously come out and listening to in rock is, is mind boggling. Cause you're like, I can't, it comes out, they have a lineup change. They release the concerto, which is the weirdest choice yeah. possible as a, Hey, this is our first album with a new lineup. And then, all of a sudden come out within rock, which is out of left field and, and defines what they're going to be for the next, you know, 50 years. 
And with the induction, you know, one of the cool things that happens with these family tree type bands, multiple guitar players from different eras are inducted, multiple singers as well. David Coverdale was lead vocals for three years. Is that right? Yeah, uh, from yeah, from seventy three, like the end of tail end of seventy three yeah. to seventy six when they when they disbanded. I heard him on Eddie Trunk recently, and I'd never really heard him interviewed before. He's a fucking character, man. I need to listen to more. He's quite a he's quite a rap scallion type of dude. He is hilarious. This is a guy who just no matter what happened to him in life, he was going to be successful. He's just so charming and so yeah. charismatic. And when you have you ever seen their his like uh, performance of the California Jam with them? I haven't. No. So the, he, the band had you know put together this new lineup. They went in the studio. They recorded Burn, and this is like one of the first shows that he would have done. And you see him; he's just fresh faced. Looks like he's you know nineteen years old. Mm. Uh, I'm sure he's older than that, but he looks so young and so fresh faced. And you're just kind of like, wow, where did this guy come from? How did this guy get to be the 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 lead singer of deep purple like a virtually unknown guy and then you just listen to him talk for five minutes you're like well of course and he's he's so charismatic he's so funny he's um you know if you follow him on twitter he's almost crazy he just posts the weirdest (laughs) he posts weird memes and he's very you know he's very like um all about the the sexual innuendo and stuff like that i mean if you've ever seen a white snake album cover you know that um but he, he he's uh yeah he's a very charming charismatic guy i've always anytime you listen to him he he wrote a, he did a really nice video when john lord passed kind of memorializing him and he's he can be touching he can be he can be witty he's he's a very charming guy and they didn't did they induct tommy bolin they didn't um and that's kind of one of the weird things like there's a few people they left out they left out nick simper they left out Mm -hmm. tommy bolin um i don't know if i mean they they don't really mention specifically steve morse but or don airy but i was thinking steve morse but it's kind of like yeah he weren't there for the golden years steve right and it's you know it but it's funny like Ian Gillen has said in you know, interviews, like, you know, he's been our guitar player for whatever, yeah. 25 years at this point. <laughs> he's like, yeah, way like, longer than Richie was mm-hmm, in the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Rob from Metallica. Like, he's been in way longer than Jason Allcliffe. Yeah, is that is that true? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. that's crazy to me. Um, you know, like, Cliff was in for such a brief time. Yeah. Um, it's only a few years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I always think of Jason as kind of, and I think it depends on your, you know, my formative years and growing up with the band. It yeah. just seemed like Jason was there for so long, but, um, you know, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they were inducted. Lars gave that speech. Go check out that speech. It's a great watch. And anything to take from the, the polar prize was it you mentioned? Sorry. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, they talk about, I guess Metallica was opening for them and it, might, it must have been their reunion tour when they got Mark II back together. Mm-hmm. And uh, talks about kind of the first time hearing them on stage and seeing like, wow, like, you know, kind of being blown away with um, what he was seeing. And at the time, this would have been, you know, fairly revolutionary uh, direction for metal to go. Metal was very new. Um, and uh, yeah, he talks about that and they just kind of, you know, give him a little bit of ribbing and... <laughs> And uh, it's it's just a fun thing to watch, and it's you know just to put yourself in Lars's shoes and imagine you're one of your heroes speaking so highly of you. It's just it must have been a great high for him. I mean, you know, Deep Purple, just an insane band in terms of touring as well, similar to Metallica, I guess. You know, very hardworking. They had like forty dates in France in two thousand and seven. <sighs> yes. Like, what the hell? Why that many? I mean- 
Yeah, I mean, they would have been in their mid oh, to late mid mid sixties at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's these are guys that are in their seventies that are just still going hard all over the place. You know, I mean, I don't think they're living the same lifestyle, but they're working and being on the road as much. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I wouldn't even want to do it now. So that's no. good for them. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, wh- what is the status on the band at the moment? They're still active, right? They're still going to release a new record or? Yeah, they're, apparently they're in Nashville recording, uh, or not currently, but they're in the yeah. process of doing an album in Nashville. And um, they, yeah, they're doing this, the long goodbye tour, they call it, because it's just like they're, they know it's getting towards the end. They just don't know when they're gonna mm-hmm. when they're gonna call it quits. So it's been going on for a while. But you know, if you want to see Deep Purple in its current form, uh, you know, it's it's not you don't have to be a genius to figure out. You better do it fairly soon. Um, you know, who who knows? And I I'm really regretting Glenn Hughes had come uh, and done a show not far from my house at all, maybe thirty minutes from my house. And I was just like, oh, I'm busy that night, yeah. and I, I didn't go. And then. A few weeks later, he had to cancel all of his tour dates and go home because he, he, he had something medical issue he needed addressed. And it was kind of a wake-up call to me, like, man, if these guys come around, I got I got to see them because yeah. who knows what could happen. And the band are just so prodigious with that output as well. It can be quite overwhelming. Like, What would you say is a good start for someone who's not really listened to Deep Purple? Wow. Um, well, I mean, I really think, you know, in rock – and Machine Head would probably be the two albums that would really be a good introduction to that era of the band. And the interesting thing is, you know, if you go back a few years, you're you're into the 1968 to 69 era, they did three albums in 18 months, and they're very, like, 60-sounding, late psychedelic sort of sounding stuff. You go into the 70 to 73 era with Gillen and Glover, you've got that hard rock introduction to metal, when Dylan and Glover leave the band in 74 through 76, they put out two albums with Blackmore still in the band, which are a di- directional change, a little bit more R&B influence from Glenn Hughes, like kind of 70s rock sound. And then the album with Tommy Bolin is is incredible. It, it might be my favorite of, of their albums. And it's uh, Tommy Bolin was just insanely talented and insanely prolific considering he died at 25 years old and he's got to be on 20, 25 records um, before he passed away. And wow, like to do that at 25, it's just, uh, it's, it's mind boggling. And it's, it's a shame to think of what he could have done and had, you know, gone a different course. And any final thoughts on this weird combination of Metallica (laughs) and deep purple? (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, sometimes I, I, I feel like when you get really into a band, you hear about something that really influenced them and you go back and listen to it and say, oh, I don't know, I'm not seeing it. You know, mm-hmm. um, if you hear like, you know, the, the, the guys in Deep Purple talk about what influenced them, it's some like acts from the 50s and you say, well, it's not really my cup of tea. I can't really see where that got them to where mm-hmm. they are. But I feel like if you are into... Uh, heavy metal and are interested in the history of heavy metal and hard rock at all you've got to go back and listen to early black sabbath early deep purple and early led zeppelin to see what they really three of those were the foundation of of everything that was to come after that you might not like it as much as you like the the stuff that's more contemporary uh to you but if you if you are really interested in the genre those three bands are are essential listening to their early stuff to 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 figure out where all of this kind of came from 
And I guess final question then, what is, I mean, Metallica, let's do some Metallica questions as we always end the show with. What, what is your favorite Metallica song? Whew, you know, I was thinking about that. I've got a few. Um, uh, one of my early ones that really, really spoke to me was Orion. Um, I don't know why. Uh, I just really, really spoke to me. I, I had this, um, I, when I started learning how to play, I had this uh, music book and I would, I just sat there and I taught myself the entire song and would just play along to the record and just felt a really close connection to that song. Um, another one I really liked is uh, To Live Is To Die, uh, another really, yep. uh, another instrumental for some reason, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I really liked. Uh, um, I love those two songs just from a kind of being a moody early teenager sort of mindset i really those two are kind of like oh i'm gonna be angsty in my room and listen to these songs um as far as just like a straight like song jump in the fire to me is was one of their best i i I just love that riff i've always really loved that song and uh that's that's just a really really great one to me Mm, so groovy so it's it's groovy it has great feel to it and you can even though mustang doesn't play on the record you can hear his early influence on that and um i was a huge megadeth fan as well so i really liked that before i probably even realized mustang was involved and i love the groove of it it's short to the point it's kind of punky but with a like an early metal vibe to it favorite album with the band I think as far as a complete album, it's probably got to be Injustice for All to just sit there and listen from start to finish. Mm-hmm. I, that and Megadeth's Rust in Peace to me are just two oh. metal albums that just don't quit for a second. And you, once you start it up, you got to listen to the whole thing. And it's I lo- every. I love Rust in Peace so much. I Rust in Peace is one of my all-time favorites as well outstanding <laughs> album i mean uh i don't know if you listen to my twickenham review but i i'm very egotistical me just to assume that uh i, had, <laughs> I, I just i saw i haven't listened yeah. yet but i, I, but I had a, I had a guy on there a good friend of the show joe that um, happened to bump into in the crowd and he was you know claiming of his heart that killing is my business was better than rust in peace and i just i didn't even know oh. what to, i didn't even know what to say <laughs> to it i was like what the fuck you think what yeah that's that's wow i mean hey one of the things i've learned is everyone's got their own you know i feel like a lot of people you know get mad at you know if i you know believe me when we release our later deep purple episodes i know i'm just gonna get raked over the coals for liking some of the later stuff better than like say machine head um i know people are gonna let me have it but you know everyone's got their own their own thing that they really Mm -hmm. like and um to me killing in my business is just it's so primitive you know and it's so like the clearly like the production on it's not oh, great the and production's terrible yeah it's it's the, even the album cover is so bad they had to go back ha- and change yeah i hate the album cover <laughs> i think it's really dated <laughs> like, it's even very then. bad album cover yeah but it yeah. is what it is they released it when they did and you know um I, I think they really found their stride after that album and put out some great ones um i mean i i like that album i just i to, to say it's better than rust in nah, peace that i I, I can't follow you down that path That's... no 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 i mean yeah <laughs> I think I lean a little bit more towards Rust in Peace over Injustice for All. I feel like if they had, Ooh, if they could question. go back and tweak the uh, production on Injustice for All, hear a little bit more of Jason, I think uh, I could maybe go that. But they're they're neck and neck with me. I just love both of those albums so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, what can I say about Rust in Peace? Yeah, the, the Tornado of Souls solo to me is still uh-huh. one of the ultimate guitar solos ever. I would say it's it's incredible, and Marty Freeman is just. Oh, phenomenal. just phenomenal. Have you have you heard his first album? 
the cacophony album uh no that it was after cacophony i think during megadeth it's called scenes it's basically all sort of japanese yes, instrumental yes. music it's really Very, good actually yeah yeah that that album's good and he did another one um what the heck's it called he's done a few he did like music to speed Two. that was like a shred one but yeah he's done yeah. lots he's done lots of like weird japanese sort of game show music like yeah <laughs> like that's kind of his niche yeah, his later stuff is 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 a little out there for the for the casual fan. Um, <laughs> but I also got into his you know his cacophony stuff with Jason Becker, his pre Megadeth yeah, stuff, which yeah. is great. And uh, Jason Becker, I have a huge amount of respect for yeah. him as well. Yeah, and yeah. the fact that he's you know still making music, which still, is incredible. Yeah. yeah, it really is. It really is. Um, what about a favorite member of the band? Oh, favorite member of the band. That's a tough one. Mm. Um, I, I mean, when I first started playing bass, it, I mean, Cliff was just like a god to me, you know. And the first thing I ever learned, I went to my bass lessons, you know, never having played. And I said, I want to learn anesthesia. Mm-hmm. And my teacher was like, okay, um, do you want to maybe learn, you know, uh, notes first? <laughs> I was like, nope, I just want to learn this. And it took me like six months to learn it because I didn't know how to play it. Yeah. But I feel like learning how to play that first while a Fuck. very dumb move that I wouldn't recommend to anybody um, really expanded my horizons yeah. of what, you know, the base could be rather than just kind of going there. If I hadn't come in with that, I would have just been like, you know, learning just how to play a root note along to a chord. And I think learning how to play, you know, those arpeggios he's doing in that song really flavored my early playing and probably my later playing too, just as far as how I play the instrument. And, um, and it doesn't, it's very odd too. I should send you a picture later, but in, in ninth, 10th grade, I looked exactly like Cliff Burton, like the hair, the little sketchy mustache, the whole thing, like the misfits jacket. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't have the misfits jacket, but, um, but everyone always told me like, Oh my God, you look just like Cliff Burton. And, um, that's not really why I liked him, but sure. <laughs> but uh, it's just kind of an uh, interesting side note there. Yeah, I mean, anesthesia is, it's like a sacred text. It's like something you can just return <laughs> to and find something new in, some inspiration. Yeah, it's just, it, it, you know, at the time too, you know, you didn't hear a lot of bass solos. So no. it was very um, revolutionary and distorted bass solos on top of it. Exploratory, know? curious bass solos that weren't just breaks between, you know, blast beats, like. Right, right, yeah, just the drum stop and you do a little run, yeah, but this, yeah, is yeah. Like a, this is like a fucking, yeah. Three-minute bass solo with wah pedal and distortion and the drums come in at the end. It's just like, yeah, well, what's going on here? This, I mean, this... I don't I don't, I don't, don't know whether he was or not. Maybe he was. I got a feeling that Cliff would have loved Deep Purple. Yeah, I mean, he must have. I mean, yeah. I'm he, sure he all those guys. widely, kind of, yeah. He kind of grew up on that for sure. Mm, and Lars probably would have played some, yeah. But yeah, Cliff had that kind of... Uh, you know expansive vocabulary what about um seeing the band live have you seen them at all metallica i have actually never seen metallica live um i i i've never seen megadeth live either believe it or not i just like it hasn't um both of them just kind of escaped me and my brother-in-law and i were talking uh couple weeks ago they're, they're megadeth's coming right to a town right by us and we're like we got to go see them he was like yeah let's do it and then like two days later dave mustaine made his announcement about his cancer diagnosis and um we we're like wow and the tour got canceled so yeah. that's another one of the, another one of those wake-up calls like it's one of those things you just you always think oh i can do that later i can do that anytime and as these bands g- grow older and you know not saying that megadeth or metallica are are so old that they're in danger of dying but you never know what's going to happen you, yeah. you need to take advantage of the moments when they come have you seen deep purple live 
I haven't. Uh-huh. And that's, that's another thing, you know, my, my live, uh, my live music watching is, um, especially with kids now, yeah. is <laughs> pretty pretty, d- pretty dwindled difficult. down pretty much. Um, but yeah, my buddy John, who does the podcast with me, um, we were talking about either me flying out there or him flying here, and um, going to see them when they come around because it's the long goodbye tour, and we never know when it's going to end. And I mean, obviously, you can't really answer this question because you do do a podcast about a band. But if you were to do another podcast about another band, what band would you look into? That's a really good question. Um, I don't know if there's any Megadeth podcasts out there. That might I be. I don't think there is. No, one guy on here said he wanted to do one, and we we did like have a little email. Like I was like, oh yeah, here's how you do a podcast, blah blah. But he don't think he's done it yet. But yeah, no, yeah. A Megadeth podcast would be a good shout. That'd be great. I think on the other end of the spectrum, uh, one I. It's one I, I just don't think needs to be made. Is I, I would I would love to do a podcast about the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge Beatles fan. Yeah, but you, I'm, I think that's well millions of territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> between you, podcasts and uh, I don't know if it's just because I'm such a huge fan and I grew up listening to their music, but I, I've seen so many documentaries on them and everything. It's like there's very rarely a, a little snippet or story that I hear where I say, "Oh, I never heard that before," you know. So like, what what a, a deep dive into the Beatles is. I don't think very necessary <laughs> do you do you listen to any beatles podcasts i listen to a few of them there's um one uh, there's the paul mccartney podcast which is really good um which because um, my because my friend does a paul mccartney podcast i don't know if it's his what, one. It, which one is it called it's, it's called uh, paul the, or nothing his is yes paul or nothing oh you listen to that yeah i really i really like <laughs> he's like I my really best like... friend he's been on the show a few times oh my god yeah i'm i'm only newly getting into your show i've listened oh, to that's um cool. that's cool you know to i to. I started around the Orion episode. I've 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 skipped around with a few of the different ones. I loved mm. your shortest straw episode; it was great. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I've listened to just kind of them on and off as mm-hmm. I, you know, cause sometimes I'm not as familiar with the song. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I really like I really like his stuff. I, I uh, and I there's another one. Um, it's it's called like screw it. Let's just talk about the Beatles. Okay, I've heard of um, those guys. I'm not listening to that one. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of a. Um, kind of a funny one um and you know that's kind of, those are kind of the some of those beatles podcasts are what got me thinking to like oh i want to find a deep purple podcast and... yeah yeah i something about the beatles i used to listen to a lot which was two mm. beatles authors and eventually they split up they like fell out of each other and now only one of them does it solo but when they were together oh. robert rodriguez and richard buskin that's a really good listen and they cover a lot of topics i've never really seen tackled before like they did a whole episode on paul's bass playing for example which is really oh, cool. nice and then, yeah, paul, yeah paul mccartney is one of my all-time oh, yeah. as a bass player too is i mean even though it's it's very hard to say the Beatles are are underrated, <laughs> yeah. But I feel like Paul McCartney as a bass player is he, underrated. He invented modern bass playing, modern lead he's, bass playing. He's incredible. I even saw someone give him credit for inventing rapping with Rap, a rapping with Sart with Sergeant Pepper. You know, oh, you know. Okay, I it mean, was twenty years ago today. Like they're oh, just kind of saying like okay. he's like he invented rapping, <laughs> and I was like, wow, I never thought about it that way. But you know, there's something to be said for that. Yeah, I remember Lennon said like he invented heavy metal because of Ticket to Ride. They're like boom, boom. Yeah. which I mean, kinda, but you know, yeah, sure... I mean, I mean, Hel- and Helter Skelters. I mean, that's an incredibly heavy song for the time. True. True, true. I mean, she wants you. She's so heavy. I think Blue Cheer had come out around that time. It were quite heavy as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the the Beatles are are amazing. It's one of those things. Like, if I ever did a Beatles podcast, I would do it just kind of like we're doing the Deep Purple one, just because it'd be fun to talk about the Beatles. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know that there's 
I think I, I, what I love about your podcast is, you know, you're doing like everything alphabetically, which is cool because mm-hmm. you're jumping around. You're not like trying to tell the chronology necessarily. Yeah. I think if you, when you have a new little spin, you can, you could do something like that. But for the Beatles, you'd have to have some sort of hook or, or new take or, yeah. or way or lens to look at it through. Um, and with Deep Purple, we were lucky to say, well, we're the only ones. We can just kind of do whatever we want for now. <laughs> <laughs> and have you i mean finally on the beatles have you read lewisham's book mark lewisham's tune in i have not no so this is the ultimate beatles biography uh it's three volumes the first one's the only one that's out at the moment it's about a thousand pages and it goes from their oh, birth up yes, to yes, the release saw, of please please me yeah it's incredibly thorough mind-bogglingly detailed so i mean i'll urge you to check that out if you want to hear any new information anyone else i've mentioned that before go check out some's podcast as well i love the fact that you mentioned paul because there's quite a few paul mccartney podcasts I was like oh i'll probably mention free legs or something that's another one but uh but yeah so i guess finally yeah, I- um yourself and the the podcast is there any links you'd like to promote uh sure yeah all of the information's on deeppurplepodcast.com you can follow us on twitter i think it's deep purple pod at twitter but if you search deep purple pod the great thing right now is if you go to any podcast aggregator and type in deep purple podcast we're the only thing that comes up if you go to itunes and type in deep purple we're like one of the first hits um which is really cool so um easy to find if you're and that's kind of how i started poking around on uh, you know, Apple podcasts and searching as like, Oh, here's a deep purple podcast. I'm like, Oh no, this is a, uh, uh, a show called deep purple that has nothing to do with the band or, you know, like I found a few things like that. So easy to find if you're, if you're looking for us, um, on our website, Twitter, we're on Instagram, uh, Facebook as well. So, mm-hmm. and guys follow us at Metallica pod, Metallica pod at gmail.com. Get in touch with us there. You know, let me know what deep purple I should check out. Um, iTunes, Patreon, if you want to support, you can go visit us there as well. This has been great, Nate. I didn't really know what this was going to entail, to be honest, but obviously listening to the show, wanted to have you on, guys. Check out the podcast. We plugged the Deep Purple podcast a lot on this episode, but necessarily <laughs> aptly so, I think. And you're recording an episode later today, are you? What, what are you covering? Yes, uh, today we are covering the... Um, so in, for In Rock, we covered the album In Rock, like the, the proper tracks that were released then we went back and did the 25th anniversary release and covered like the release the newly released tracks and what's different about that album our album our episode that came out today is all about the fireball album mm-hmm. and then tonight we're going to be recording the episode about the 25th anniversary there's a lot of um, unreleased tracks from that one um, as well as there's some really good details so we're going to really dive into that all right excellent well thanks again guys we'll be back next week with more alphatelica goodness i'm not sure when this is going to be released so i can't really tease the songs but we've got lots of cool songs coming up probably in your near future we're going to be covering suicide and redemption sweet amber that was just your life the thing that should not be form within through the never to live is to die one of your favorites today or yes. love tomorrow the world too late too late trapped under ice then Tuesday's gone, turn the page, and the Unforgiven trilogy, which obviously, because it's alphabetically, we'll be doing Unforgiven 1, 2, and 3. Really looking forward to those episodes. Yeah, this has been Tom. As always, thank you. I've already thanked you guys. I'm going to get out of here now. Check out Deep Purple Pod. Nate, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you.